I'm James Milley. And I'm Alex Muto. And this is The Artist Business Plan. Your favorite weekly business podcast for artist entrepreneurs hosted by Superfine Art Fair. What's going on, business artists? You are listening to The Artist Business Plan, and that means that you are certifiably awesome. We are so happy to be back with you after a spring hiatus. We put on four fairs around the United States. Uh, We're happy to be back here hosting this program with you as well. And as you know, if you've been listening to us for a while, my name is Alex Mito. I'm the co-founder of Superfine Art Fair. We're the most widespread art fair for artists in the United States and also one of the top resources for all things art, artist, and marketing of your art. Today, we've got Lisa Zerkovskaya with us. Lisa is going to share her thoughts on curation and the artist's relationship to curators and collectors. I am so excited to hear what she has to say, but first, I've got an amazing offer here for you ABP listeners. Artists, have you ever felt anxious, alone, and unsure about the next move in your career? Good news, those days are over. Since 2015, we've spent thousands of hours developing the best art fair model for independent artists just like you who want to take control of your career, build your collector list, and make a real sustainable income from your art. Superfine started with the connection between artists and an eager, empowered, qualified buying audience. So many alternatives didn't provide any real value for the artists who spent their precious time, hard-earned money, and major effort mounting and exhibiting their work without the results to back it up. And that meant that it was time for something new. For seven years, Superfine has focused on breaking down these barriers and creating sustainable economic opportunities for artists to build careers from our fair. To find your place at a Superfine fair, simply visit www.superfine.world slash sell hyphen your hyphen art. Don't miss the chance to be part of the top business artist community in the world. Oh, and when you mention the artist business plan, you'll receive $150 credit on your booth, no matter what size or city you choose. So that's $150 off. Go online to www.superfine.world slash sell hyphen your hyphen art to set up your qualification call with James and get started selling your art with Superfine today. Again, that's www.superfine.world slash sell hyphen your hyphen art. All right, so we are back here with Lisa Zhirkovskaya. Lisa, better known as the Curator on the Go, is a Toronto-based art curator and art advisor. For more than seven years, Lisa has worked directly with clients to help them buy and commission art and has brought hundreds of artworks to the public eye. In 2020, she started Kafi Art Gallery to contribute to Toronto culture and help people surround themselves with the beauty of art during pandemic lockdowns. She's known as a community leader and is passionate about helping people make a living through their creative work. She's been working directly with artists and has helped them thrive in the industry through media opportunities, exhibitions, and business advice. Lisa also produces Curator on the Go podcast as a platform for creatives to share their stories and learn from each other. Welcome to the Artist Business Plan, Lisa. Thank you so much. It's it's a pleasure to be here with you today. And we are glad to have you here with us as well. And before we really get started and dive into our questions, I want to ask you something that we ask all of our guests to help our listeners get to know you better. And that is, what is the earliest memory that you have of art? Oh, I remember coloring and drawing all the time when I was a kid. I loved it. But talking about a memorable moment that I still remember is was when I traveled with my family to Turkey. And they had a lot of painting classes in the hotel that we stayed. 
The one I really enjoyed and I still remember is when I had to paint using the glue and cover it with the scent that was colored in every possible color you can name. So similar to what artists do with putting glitter on top of the paintings, but it had no background color to work with. So that experience really opened my imagination and I loved working with hands at that age too. So I literally spent half a day indoors instead of just being outside enjoying the weather, making a Hello Kitty painting to put in my bedroom. At that time, I was also obsessed by Hello Kitty because we traveled to Japan (laughs) and it became my favorite character. So my mom still has that piece at their home and it makes me smile every time I come and see it when I visit my parents. That is such a fun memory, and I love how visceral it is that I can see you doing that on vacation and taking that time to create that artwork that still exists, and I can imagine that feeling of seeing it when you go visit your parents as well. That's such a such a cool, such a very personal story. Thank you for sharing mm-hmm. that, Lisa. So, Lisa, having worked in the art gallery space for years, what are some practices for artists approaching a gallery for the first time and talking about like how can artists tell their story so that a gallery will be interested in working with them? Oh, I love talking about that because I've been working in a gallery space for the last eight years and I've seen so many artist submissions and I can talk for days about it. But like in general, gallery representation is very crucial for any artist's career. Keeping in mind that the work that you will submit to the gallery is the right fit and the right fit for the collectors the gallery serves. So in terms of the rules, um, it all depends on the gallery because they operate differently. But in general, there are a few tips that I would like to share. So the initial contact with the gallery can be through an existing contact, like through a colleague, art professional, and other artists. So it's kind of the best way when the artist that is already represented by a gallery will introduce your work to the gallery owner. So you have a higher chance because they uh, will definitely hear uh, what they what they can say about your work. Showing to the gallery openings of the artists you admire too. This way you will be able to see the gallery systems at work too, how they operate, how they approach clients, how they talk about the artist. Are they knowledgeable about the people who they represent? Very obvious one, check the website and see if there is any information on gallery submissions. A lot of artists still don't do that, and like it's very easy. Some galleries state right away if they don't accept artists at the moment. Some have very detailed instructions on how to submit to the gallery. I know a lot of galleries who will say, like, we really like your work, but we don't have an opportunity right now to accept you, and it might take a year or so. Just resubmit maybe in six months or so, And if it's a good time for the gallery, just keep in touch. And one last thing that I always like to mention, don't bring your work to the gallery without approaching, period. So I always have it still happening. And especially after the pandemic, everything went to digital. So submit to galleries using email address. Don't take your works. Don't come in. Usually gallery staff is very busy and they don't have time to talk to you, to explain a lot of things to you. Just make sure you do it properly and respect the gallery and the people who work there. So I love that advice. So number one, you know, try to find an artist that you already know who's already working with one of these galleries and then, you know, get an introduction through them. That's always helpful with any business business decision that you make. And I also like the idea of, you know, visiting anytime you're, 
making any kind of partnership with another organization or another business, which as an artist, you are a business. So as you're making a partnership to go and actually see how that business conducts itself, how do, how do they work with their clients? How do they represent the people that they work with? And that's a great way because it's not just a one way thing. And I think a lot of artists get that feeling that they just need to get a gallery to represent them, but it's really not a one way relationship. They're actually there to work with you and to be accountable to you as well. So going and seeing how they function and how they work is really, really important. And also, and this also goes for, again, you know, pretty much any kind of interaction, uh, see what the rules of the game are. If they have a way of doing it, you want to follow that way of doing it. Um, maybe, you know, add your own little, like, you know, like maybe go introduce yourself and say, hello, I, by the way, I sent something, but also not to carry in a huge portfolio or like a bunch of paintings with you. If, if their website is very clear about how they take submissions. Um, so I, I think that's great, great advice. So I want to take the next question over to the artist's website, which is where the artist's brand and identity uh, live. And we've talked before about details that artists want to incorporate, like artwork, price, name. Um, so, but you feel it's important to mention reference to historical pieces. Why is that? Absolutely. And many people say that you should name any other artist that influenced your work because the website or like your artist name, but in general should be about you. And I don't agree with that. I think in general, stories sell art better than anything else does. And the story is a tool to connect with your audience. But I will give you a little bit of an example. So many art collectors and regular clients in general, they're interested in art history. They might know many famous artists by name. And they might be very intrigued to see, for example, how X artist was influenced by Van Gogh's use of color that affects the audience emotions and Manette's skillful use of light and shadows all reworked in artists' own contemporary personal way to depict landscapes of, for example, rural Italy. So collections can uh, collectors can imagine or research the works of the artists from the past. And obviously there is no competition for selling the works here. The artists are not uh, longer with us anymore. And they can also enjoy exploring how those influences shape the pieces of the artist. It's also a great conversation starter for them when introducing the work to their friends and family and a great selling point for artists too. I love that. I think that's actually a really good, it's a really good piece of advice because again, like you're not competing with these artists that you're referring to historically. It's more of giving the people who are coming across your work online or that you've met in person, something to latch onto that they know about and I find this to be true with a lot of marketing is giving people a comparison is always a good thing. If you're, you know, if you're a cocktail bar and you have some new and interesting cocktail, being able to say, it's kind of like a Manhattan, but it's with this kind of, you know, twist that we've added to it. It gives someone mm -hmm. an immediate like point where they can grab on and go, oh, I understand that. I know what that is. And I think that's a really good perk um, for using the strategy as an artist, as you present and market yourself as well. So thank you for sharing that, Lisa. Absolutely. Cool. So an artist's biography and artist statement and are often a real challenge for artists to write. We hear that a lot. Um, what do you recommend that an artist focus on for these important pieces and what things should they avoid? Absolutely. So by an artist statement, a lot of people think it's the same, but actually it's a bit of a different um, categories of how you can present your work and your story in general. So bio, well-written bio can help you develop a fuller picture of who you are as an artist. 
So you have to keep it very simple, usually one or two paragraphs. Use a consistent and active voice. So select um, I or he, she for the third person. Mention interesting story or fact about yourself. Like where did you grow up? Um, do you have someone who influenced your work? Or what do you enjoy doing outside of making art? And it's also a place for you to name your accomplishments, like your awards, George shows, galleries you're represented at. For artist statement, it's used to describe your work in a meaningful and interesting way. So it tells a story and can be used as an educational or and marketing tool to help art dealers, art consultant galleries sell your work. So you use it on the website, exhibition materials, promotional cards, press release, etc. So it is, for me, an artist call to adventure. Like, when did you realize that you need to take action and become an artist? And what work means to you and obstacles to making art happen? What did you have to overcome to be where you are right now? Also, what materials you use and techniques, the process of making your work, what inspires you and what themes influence your work, and obviously what your work represents. I love that. So this is, you know, when you're writing this artist statement or this bio, this is your hero's journey. This is how you became an artist, the challenges you overcame, and also what your art is about, what it represents, and then bringing in the accolades, accomplishments, different things that have, you know, third-party value into, into it as well. And in, in the end, when you do it correctly and you go through this exercise of creating an, an artist statement or a bio, becomes this nucleus of information that you then use for other things, you know, other promotional avenues throughout your career. So I think that's a really nice way of putting it together. Um, so we are going to come right back and Lisa is going to tell you more about what collectors want and creative ways of showing off your work. But first, a message from our sponsors. Artists, are you struggling with getting yourself out there and selling your work? Well, you came to the right place. For seven years, Superfine Art Fair has traveled across the United States and connected with all sorts of art professionals, from curators, gallerists, a community of successful artists, and everything in between. We've developed strategies to assist hundreds of artists just like you take control of their careers, build relationships with collectors, and create the art income and freedom that they deserve. From New York City to San Francisco, Miami Beach to Seattle, your next art fair is right around the corner. You can apply to be a part of the fair when it comes to a city near you by visiting www.superfine.world slash sell hyphen your hyphen art. Mention the artist business plan during your qualification call and we'll take $150 off your booth fee for any city and any fair you choose. Today's the day to start taking control of your art career. And we are back. So Lisa, at Superfine, uh, we see a lot of our sales uh, go to collectors in like the 26 to 45 up to maybe like 50, 55 age range. As a gallerist and a curator, what are some of the traits you see in collectors and how do artists drive interest in if this is their target audience or if a different target audience is their target audience? How do you kind of, you know, build into that group that we're, t- that we're seeing where a lot of the action is happening? Mm-hmm. So I own Cafe Art Gallery and for the last two years, the gallery was completely online. So my platform for selling works were, was the gallery's website and social media, so mainly Instagram. I don't use TikTok. I know a lot of artists do. 
um, and it helps them a lot to sell. But I think like from my point of view, you should select one or two platforms and give your 100% best there instead of trying to be everywhere and getting low results. So from all sales I had, the demographic I reached was very similar to yours. So I would say between 28 to 55. Actually, I checked the insights on the gallery's Instagram before the interview, and the majority were between 35 to 45, followed for 25 to 35 and 45 to 55. So um, I think from uh, what I thought about like the demographic and who I'm reaching, one factor is because I'm millennial myself, so I like to spend most of my time online and on the web in general. So I truly believe in the power of Instagram and possibilities of reaching a wider audience online where people can shop, browse art at their home without even going to art galleries. And I believe that everyone can and should surround themselves and live with art. And I'm always educating my collectors on the art they're, they're buying. So the same for artists who are trying to reach wider audience on Instagram or any platform they're using, educating your collectors, your fans, your followers on what you're doing, what materials, like similar to the artist statement we talked about. Just talk more on Instagram. One thing I would like to mention that when you try to uh, target audience on Instagram, select the audience you want to target because there are different types of art buyers. So I usually categorize them in five categories, general art lover. So like old school type of a collector, they're interested in the development of artists and usually they have a lasting and strong relationship with galleries. So they come back to support artists and buy more. There is one time buyers, they don't establish long-term relationship and they disappear quickly but you will still get a sale. Dealers and art professionals, they also are your clientele. Um, they love art and they can resell it or find a client for you. Museums, obviously, and corporate collectors. So depending on who you're trying to reach, keep in mind that not everyone will be on Instagram or on the web, so you can create your marketing strategy based on that. I love that. And it really speaks to something we talk a lot about, which is segmenting your audience and really identifying like what, not that there's just like one big audience that likes your work, but thinking about like, okay, these are the people that like my work. Some of them might be like first time buyers. Some of them might be long-term buyers that buy over time and some maybe other constituents that I need to focus on. But then you can adjust the way that your messaging is for each of those groups and target them more closely. So I love that approach, and uh, I'm glad you shared that, Lisa, because it's very on-brand with what we uh, speak with artists a lot about. Um, so when, when showing work as an artist, there's a lot of options that artists can use uh, besides galleries and museums. Let's talk about unique spaces to show work. Um, what are the benefits of sharing art in, let's say, like a pop-up or like a restaurant or brewery or hotel, and why would people be there collecting art? Yes, I do think a lot of artists say like I need to make or I need a curator show and it definitely should be in the gallery. There are so many other ways for you to create a pop-up exhibition without just going to gallery spaces. So my most memorable actual exhibitions that I curated were outside of the regular white cube gallery space. So one of them, uh, we rented a two-level space. It was just a building that was... Um, waiting for someone to lease it so it was empty and they decided why not to rent it out as like for pop-up stores or exhibitions or any projects people had in mind 
So we rented it for two days. So we created an amazing experience of having artworks on the walls, music in the background. And I also hired a ballerina dancer to walk around the gallery, pose and interact with the audience. It was a very, very fantastic, memorable experience. And people still talk and remember me for that exhibit and the artist too. And I think you have to be very creative for people to remember you uh, because doing it in the gallery, like you are probably uh, trying to rely on the gallery newsletter list, all the collectors they will be bringing. But if you have help to do your marketing or if you already have a good collector space that you can invite for your show, why not, again, to find another place or another way to host an exhibition where you, you might not have as many rules to follow and be a little bit different. I love that because it can really help you stand out as an artist and, you know, the key thing, having some marketing base, either someone you work with who is really good at marketing or learning some of the essentials of marketing yourself. And one of the great benefits is, again, you don't have as many rules. And also then, you know, if you do sell, then you're retaining all of your buyer's information. You're able to continue to grow that audience. Plus, it's a lot of fun to do something in a cool, unique location. And it's a great learning exercise to do it as well. So I, I totally agree. When I before we even started Superfine, um, we were doing pop up art events all over New York City, and some of them were really fun. So I, I, I highly and highly recommend that for artists as well. So Lisa, this has been an incredible conversation, and I'm really glad we had you on the program. Uh, I want to bring it home for our listeners out there. Is there something you can share with them for how they might be able to get in touch with you and take advantage of some of the services that you offer artists, or are there any tips you can offer them that they can use to better their careers? Yes, absolutely. So I'm very easy to find. So if you search for Curator on the Go, you'll be able to find me on Instagram. Same for the website, www.curatorontheGo.com. And for the tip, I usually say to the artist that you need to get used to the long goal mindset. So it's not going to happen overnight that you will become famous. Sometimes it happens, sometimes it's not. You have to be very patient. You also need to work on your style and be very authentic. Like authenticity is key these days because there are a lot of artists. There's a lot of competition. You want to think about how I want to be remembered by all of the people. So from my point of view, good contemporary art should be unique, dynamic, and original, not overly familiar. So guys, your artwork should be unique, dynamic, and original, not overly familiar. And we really agree with that. Thank you so much, Lisa, for being here with us today. And to all of you business artists out there, Lisa has been here sharing her amazing perspective as a curator on the go and as a gallery owner. I hope that you took notes. And if you did not, you can always go back and listen to this episode again on our website at www.superfine.world. And to connect with Lisa, you can follow her on Instagram at curator on the go and visit curatorontheGo.com as well as catch her podcast, Curator on the Go, as well. As always, remember that we are Super Fine Art Fair on Instagram, and we always appreciate it anytime you share us if you're listening to, enjoying, benefiting from the artist business plan. And we'd also really appreciate if you could take just a moment of your time and write us a review on Apple Podcasts. That's our number one listening platform. I know you can listen to us on Spotify, directly through the website, but Apple Podcasts, where most artists are tuning in from, And those ratings and reviews are so critical in helping other artist entrepreneurs like yourselves find us and benefit from our and our guests' wonderful perspectives. And as always, I'd like to wrap up the class by sharing a quick quote with you all. 
Today, that quote is, there is no must in art because art is free. And that is Wassily Kandinsky. Lisa, it has been such a pleasure having you with us today. Thank you for sharing your perspective with our listeners. We really, really appreciate it. Thank you for the opportunity. I had lots of fun. Oh, it was fun for me too. And you're very welcome. Uh, Everybody else, have an awesome rest of your day. Remember to stay on top of your artist business plan, get out there and make it happen. Thanks for joining us for another episode of The Artist Business Plan. Hosted by me, Alex Mito. And me, James Milley. Join us each week to hear leaders in the art, marketing, and business arenas discuss tips and tricks designed to help you thrive and sell more art. To listen to this episode and all of our past episodes, just visit www.superfine.world and click The Artist Business Plan. And we love to hear what you have to say, so just follow us on Instagram at superfineartfair and shoot us a message just to let us know you're listening. Want to exhibit at an upcoming fair? Go to www.superfine.world slash sell hyphen your hyphen art. Until next time, keep listening, keep creating, and keep up your artist business plan. 